time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. You've probably figured this out by yourself by now, but if you own a vulva, did you know that there is a three in five chance that having penetrative sex doesn't result in an orgasm? Enter Zumio. (laughs) Zumio is a -a one-of-a-kind toy with the sole purpose of providing a unique, stimulating experience. And guess what? It doesn't even vibrate. It rotates with a concentrated pinpoint energy that allows you to control how and where you use it. There are four different models specifically designed for your personal intensity preferences. And Zumio is great for vulva mapping and exploring the rest of your body, whether that is solo or with a partner. Check out www.myzumio.com slash Rachel. That's R-A-C-H-E-L for a special discount for the Right Conversations listeners and take control of your orgasms today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 21 of The Right Conversations. Today, we are having a conversation about navigating a quarter-life crisis with Tess Brigham. Tess is someone that I have actually known since before I was even licensed as a therapist. When I was doing my intern hours in San Francisco over in Northern California, uh, I was networking and trying to meet therapists that had successful private practices and see what the fuck they were doing because in school they didn't teach us any of the business side of stuff. I knew I was a great clinician and I knew and I knew I was learning to be a great clinician, but I had no fucking clue what I was doing business-wise. So Tess and I wound up becoming really good friends. Uh, We would get lunch often and I eventually moved away and we have been in and out of contact since. She is just a brilliant human being and I'm really excited to have her on today to talk about what she kind of dubs a quarter-life crisis. Although part of what we talk about in the episode and you'll hear in the interview is that this is applicable to all of us. So no matter how old you are, give this conversation a listen. Let me tell you a little bit about Tess and then we'll dive into the conversation. She has been dubbed the millennial therapist by CNBC. She is an expert psychotherapist, certified coach, and public speaker. She specializes in helping young adults discover their unique path life in order to go out into the world and make an impact. I will put Tessa's full bio and all of her contact information in the show notes. Please enjoy this conversation about navigating a quarter-life crisis with my friend and colleague, Tess Brigham. Tess, 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 I'm so excited you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Tess and I go way back. Anybody listening, I have known Tess since before I was licensed. (laughs) I knew Tess when I was studying for my licensure. Tess has seen me through 
<laughs> so many phases of life and work. And so to have her on here is just such a cool full circle thing. So yeah. thank you. Thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, okay. I gave the, the professional intro of all uh -huh. of your, your letters and your, your accolades. Tell us in your words, what you do, who you are, anything you want okay. to share. All right. Well, the best way for me is that I, I'm both a therapist and a coach and I take the best of both worlds and I mush them together and I help my clients who are primarily young adults, you know, navigate life, find confidence, learn, figure out what they want to do with their lives. Um, I'd help you through the 20 something years. It's sort of the best into the thirties, which is the best way to describe what I do. Which and is I kind do of it. what you did for me, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't, I, you know, it's, it's funny because I always say that, you know, young adults, millennials, they found me, I didn't find them. They like, they're the ones that showed up and you just kind of like, oh, I guess these are the people I meant to, to help in the world. Like, this is it. So um, I did not set out to seek to do this particular thing, but it feels very, it's, it's turned out to be exactly what I needed and perfect. So love it. I, and you're so good at it. So today's conversation is called navigating a quarter life crisis. So let's start with what is a quarter life crisis? <laughs> so I say to people that, you know, if you think you're going through a crisis, then say that you're going through a crisis. It's fine. People spend way too much time like analyzing, is this a crisis? Is this not? Should I be worried? Should I not? It's like, Okay, you, if you feel like, you know, usually people have a quarter life crisis, it doesn't necessarily mean it's happening right at 25. But at some point in your 20 something years, and it could even be closer to 30, that you start to have a bit of an existential crisis around who am I? What is the point of my life? You know, why am I here? Uh, you know, why am I getting up every day and going to this job? Why am I in this relationship? Why do I live in this city? So you've hit this place in your life where you feel very disconnected with the choices that you once made and you need to make essentially the best way of, the way to think about it is it's almost like you need to stop reevaluate figure out like after you've learned all these things about yourself you know what is it that you really really want and how do you start making choices and decisions that align with what it is that you want so how i'm sure and okay let me rephrase <laughs> I'm sure that everyone listening can relate to having the, why am I here? What is my purpose experience many times throughout their lives. So even if you're not, if you're listening and you're not at a, at or around your quarter life, I think that this could apply to you too. Is that true Tess? Like, does this show up multiple times throughout the course of, of someone's life? It can. I mean, I think, um, yeah i mean i think it really depends on i i often say that if you don't so some people will hit these quarter life moments but they they kind of don't deal with them right they sort of keep they say i'm unhappy at work but they keep finding reasons mm. not to make the changes so they keep kind of punting and punting and punting and and i always say that eventually it will catch up with you eventually you're going to hit some kind of wall because you know we because so much of what happens during a quarter life crisis is, is that you've, you know, the society and the world asks us to make a lot of decisions about who we are and what we want at an age in which we really don't know who we are or what we want. Yeah. And, 
And, and, you know, it's fine. You have to declare a major, you have to pick jobs, you have to do these things. You just have to move forward. But most people have no idea, you know, we pick these things at 18 or whatever. And I picked what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life at, you know, 12. And so you have these goals and dreams and these things that you're going to go after. And you then, you know, go through school and you graduate and then you're in your twenties and you're like, oh, wait a second. You know, you start working, you start working in that industry and you're like, wait a second, this isn't all who I am or what I want anymore. So it's, it's inevitable that you, if you, if you don't deal with that, then you will be constantly sort of reminded over and over and over again, like I'm not living my life the way I want to live it. But I think that, that makes you're, sense. you're right. I think people can have these like little mini, little, little mini moments in their lives. I think it really depends on you, you know, your personality and the choices that you've made. I think sometimes yeah. there are small choices that we make, like, ooh, maybe this, you know, apartment isn't quite for me or this roommate. And then other times we make decisions like a partner or yeah. a job. And that's a really, really big thing to try to sort of like change and, and um, navigate through. So what are some of the main things that gets people into your office? Like what is happening for them that they're like, yes, I need help. Usually it is, I mean, either what usually people start to feel some sort of, some sort of anxiety or depression, and it doesn't have to be really, really strong anxiety or depression. It doesn't mean like you're, you can't get out of bed, but there's usually something that has prompted a person. They, they've gotten these, these feelings that aren't good <laughs> for the first time they're like this you know and it's this not going feel away lovely yes and it's not going away like all yeah. of the things that i you know th that they've tried to do in the past to to manage their anxiety doesn't work so sometimes it's that sometimes it's having these symptoms that they don't understand what they are other times it's funny people will find me from something i've written or a podcast that i've been on or they'll they'll trip upon something where i was quoted and they'll say, oh my God, how did you read my mind? Like, how did you know? This is exactly like you said all the things. And it's like, no, I'm not reading your mind. It's just that these are these, you know, these universal feelings that people have. Yeah. And so a lot of times it's, it's almost like people don't quite know what it is that they're looking for, what they need. And then they trip upon something I've said and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. You, you, you seem to know, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll you talk seem to, to get you. it. I don't get yeah, it yet, but yeah. you, you do. Exactly. Exactly. So where do you start with someone? Like if, if, if someone walks in and they're like, oh my gosh, I, I heard you on this podcast. I am experiencing this. I am feeling anxious. I think it's about my relationship. It may be about my job. Like, where do you start with someone? Um, yeah, I mean, I really start by, you know, hearing everything. Like I let people, mm -hmm. I think what's really important is that first kind of session with people where they just like dump everything out. Yeah. Because a lot of times people have been holding into all of these feelings for months and months, years and years. And it's the opportunity to really, they I just let them get it all out. And I found that usually in that, you know, hour period, there is, a point at which they start to, you can start to piece apart, wait a second, like, these are the things that you really keep talking about that you seem to like, these are the things you keep saying that you want, these are the things you keep saying that you don't want. I just, you, you're a little bit, I say, sometimes you're a bit of a detective, you're trying to kind of 
figure out like what are the you know what's really going on here you know is it is it that you need an, another job or is it that you need to leave this relationship or is there something else that's happening here so that's always step one and then once it's identifying um and figuring out okay it sounds like it's this it sounds like you you, you know that's the job it really centers back on the job and it's then pulling apart um what it is that you know what is it that you really want to be doing and then and i think this is really important is allowing yourself to fantasize and visualize what is it that i want right like mm -hmm. yes we'd all love to sit on a yacht all day but that's not going to happen like <laughs> yes you have to visualize going to work and so if you're going to go to work every day wh what are you doing like where are you going who are you surrounded by? Do you work for yourself? Are you wearing sweatpants or a three-piece suit? Like what, you know, what are you doing? Because the thing is when we pick these jobs from, you know, way back when, when we're 18, we're thinking like lawyer equals wearing power suits and lots of money. That sounds good. Yeah. Or like and what law and order SPU showed me. <laughs> yes. And and so the the problem is is that people get into these jobs and like oh my god i hate this i don't want to argue with people i don't want to you know i don't want to write briefs this sucks so so it's it's really trying to understand like what do what do you want to be getting up every day and doing and because that is what work is work is that and it's the same with a partner it's the same thing of like what do you how do you want to spend your life and does this person want to do those same things do they have the same values are they aligned with the same the same stuff so it's it's really trying to get crystal clear on based on how i feel today how you know what is it that i need you know what is it that i really want and then it's helping them then it's about helping the person figure out you know how do you get from where you are today to that and and closer to that that idea of it um certainly this takes a bit of time but it, you know what usually well while i mentioned it, it's like four or five steps the problems that happen is that you know our resistance gets in the way our mm. fears get in the way our well what if and what if and what if and what if thou that gets in the way right so you know this like a lot of the work is really getting the person to, to get out of the what ifs yeah out of the what if everything falls apart into the what if everything is great what if yeah. this is the, what if What's this is the best thing that could happen yeah exactly yeah. so there's a there's a lot of that i want to quickly interrupt this episode to talk about my latest project with best self co if you don't already know, Best Self Co. is a brand with a range of simple yet meaningful tools that help people achieve their goals, be more productive, and create positive change in their life. I've had the pleasure of working with Best Self Co. on a few projects, the latest being their brand new Intimacy After Dark deck. This 150 card conversation deck is a tool for talking about and exploring sex to bring more connected intimacy into your life. The deck was designed with all relationship structures in mind and includes a conversation framework adapted and approved by me that guides you through consensual and comfortable conversations about sex. Best Self was so kind to provide a code to my listeners so that you can get your hands all over the Intimacy After Dark deck before it's gone. Use the code Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, during checkout at bestself.co and get 30% off the new Intimacy After Dark deck. 
That's bestself.co and code Rachel for 30% off the new After Dark deck. I want to thank Best Self Co. for being one of today's podcast sponsors. Now, back to our conversation. The resistance that you see, I'm guessing that there's, you know, some that is unconscious, there's some that's conscious, there's some that is coming from society, some from family, some internally. How does resistance typically show up for people that you work with? Um, usually it is, it shows up when it's time to take action or make a decision. Ah. So usually it is, um, especially with, you know, with coaching clients that I have, I, you know, since I do both, both therapy and coaching, um, you know, coaching clients, I usually put together like a pretty detailed, you know, these are the things that you're going to do. We, we set goals. This is what you're going to do between now and the next time we meet. And what I see is people will come back and not do any of the things and do part of them and not all of them. And you'll ask them about it. And it usually comes down to, well, what it, you know, I, I, I worry that if I made this phone call, they might reject me. And, or mm-hmm. I worry that if I did this thing, you know, um, what would happen over here? So it's, it's usually about some sort of action that they need to take that feels new and different and scary, and they don't know what's on the other side. And they've convinced themselves that what's on the other side must be so terrible and horrible. They can't possibly take that leap. So that's the thing about making decisions is that it's what I see so many of my clients going through is that they, you know, they're, they're spending so much time in this analysis paralysis of decision-making, like going in circles and circles and circles that, you know, what inevitably happens is the, whatever the opportunity is, it it moves by or, or I often say, if you don't make a decision, a decision will be made for you. And we like to, we like to make our own decisions. We like to have control in our lives. And when you allow decisions and things to just happen to you, you're not taking control. You're not doing any of these things for yourself. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of like, well, I could pick A or I could pick B. And then it's like, well, if I pick B, A, you know, you know, that whole back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I often say that that is, um, it's actually as, as torturous as it feels in many ways, people like to be in that place because it gives you the most power and control because the possibilities are endless, right? So oh, here I am, yeah. I, c- I could have A or B or C or D. I could go any of these directions. So when I sit here and think about it, I'm tortured, but at the same time, I feel very excited and powerful because all of these things are possible. But once you pick C, right? Once you pick that path, Mm -hmm. all the other things start to seem right. They start to seem better. They start to seem. And so you doubt yourself. You think, oh no, wait, C isn't it. It needs to be B. And I see a lot of that. And, and what's really important is it's really about forward momentum. You have to just make decisions and keep moving forward, make decisions, move forward that you're not going to figure anything out by analyzing it eventually just do it and see how it turns out. I love that. And I love the, if you don't make a decision, it will be made for you because (laughs) we've all experienced that. It's Mm -hmm. like, if you sit still long enough, someone's going to come kick you Mm -hmm. and you're, you're just going to go and something's Mm going to happen. And then it's truly not in your control at all. 
Not that we really have much control anyway. And <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. If there are people listening that are resonating with this experience or are, you know, in their twenties and they're like, Tess, I, that's me. I have option A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and I don't know what to do. And I'm freaking out. And I, okay. I understand I'm, I'm stuck and I need to make a choice. What, what advice do you have for them? Like what, what do they need to do? Well, I usually start by saying that the thing about decisions and choices is that there are very few choices and decisions that you'll make in your life that you cannot get out of, right? Like we've been talking about jobs, mm. relationships, cities, apartments, the, all of those things. Yes, there are choices that we make that are permanent. And, but really, truly the, the, what the majority of the choices are that young people are having to make are really temporary choices. And so don't be afraid. There are no right or wrong choices. When we label things as right or wrong, it, it becomes, or good or bad, it becomes this thing of there is one, that there's only one path. There's only one way to go. And there isn't. So you have to just recognize that there are no decisions that can't, very few decisions that can't be undone and that there's no good or bad decisions, just the decisions that you make. And so, um, based on that you know i'll work with people on if they do have those six things of first just eliminating things like let's right. get rid of some things because usually when you think about choices you don't it feels like you have five or six but usually you don't like the, you know some of them are do you really want to raise alpacas in south america <laughs> like really you know you're just adding this to create more chaos yes. for yourself like yes you know you're not going to do that so let's just take that off right there's certain things and usually it comes down to usually two to three things and once you're down to those two or three three things i mean there's different ways there's definitely different ways to look at it i then would have the person go back to like what you know is true about yourself you know the visualization of your life and what is that what does that look like to you and what is it that you want you know what aligns most with what these choices are and um and then you know usually based on that there is one that is going to really stand out like listen, sometimes there are two and, and at some point it's really about it's just about you and your just gut feeling around, mm -hmm. okay, I gotta just go with this. Like, it's just this feeling. And I truly, truly believe that even if you picked, if it was down to two things and you picked one and it wasn't quite that one, okay, fine. Like, now you know. <laughs> yes. now, now you have that information, great. Yes. Now you can pivot over to the other side and make this other decision. That's the thing is that what happens with people who are in, you know, stay stuck. The problem is you're, you're stuck. And so you're not, you're not gaining any new information. You're not gaining any new experiences. So you don't really know anything more about yourself than you are here. Mm -hmm. So if, so if you want to make, you know, making a decision, even if it turns out not quite what you wanted to, you've gotten so much information about yourself that it's been it's been incredibly helpful but we get very attached to right or wrong good bad like this is what i should do or shouldn't do and 
And then don't even get me started on, I have so many clients who freak out about, oh my God, I'm wasting time. I'm wasting time. You know, I'm going to run out of time. I'm going to do this and that. It's like, ugh, we all live so long and there are no pensions. So we're all going to be having to work for a long time. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's like, what is the rush? <laughs> yeah. You, you said should or shouldn't. And I'm one of the things that I see so often, no matter the age of my clients are the shoulds and the supposed tos. And like, I should have this figured out. I'm supposed to have my 401k by now. I'm, you know, all of these things. Do you find that? And, and if so, what are some of the most common shoulds that you come across? Oh yeah. Like the shoulds, the shitting all over yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Albert Ellis. That one is, um, that is very, very common. And I think that what's, it's always been around, but I definitely think social media, like social media is such the should, 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 I could be, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's such, it's so hard because you're just constantly comparing yourself to everybody's lives and it's, and that's virtually impossible, but the shoulds, I mean, the shoulds are really hard and we all have them. I think that it's, it's not about like, okay, no, I'm terrible. I shouldn't be shitting all over myself, but it's more of, okay, you know, you feel like you should be doing these things. Stop for a moment and ask yourself, do you really want to be doing these things? Like, do you really want this? And if you do, what are you willing to do to get this? And do you want the life that is connected to this? Because especially here in the San Francisco Bay area, what's what I see so much of, and you were here, you must've seen all of the tech people and everybody feels like I should be the next Mark Zuckerberg. I should have an app by now. Oh, I saw them. That's why I left. (laughs) I should have... Be, I should be Elon Musk, you know, and yeah, and, yeah. and that's that other piece of it. It's like, okay, so do you want to live, you know, do, do you want to do what it takes to be Elon Musk? Because he will tell anybody who will listen to him how he slept on the floor of his office and how he did this and how he did that. I don't think he has the best relationships with people. Like, you know, mm-hmm. are you, is that what you want? And so it's really digging in and getting into what is it that you truly want? You're, you feel like you should have these things because of some Instagram post. Right. But day to day, do you want it? Are there specific things on social media that people bring up to you that they see that they think they should, or is it more just individual based on circumstance? Um, I don't know. I think the one I know for myself on social media, I'm always like, God, I really want to be traveling more. You know, like uh, I usually yeah. feel like, oh God, I should be traveling more. I should be doing this, or I should be doing that. Um, but it, it is, I think that I had one client who, of all the social medias, he was obsessed with LinkedIn, <laughs> which is one that I had never heard before, but obsessed with like going and looking at people that he went to get his MBA with and to see what they were doing now. Interesting. Right. Like where are they working? What are the accolades? What, you know, what is it that you're, you're getting, you know, what's, how successful are they in comparison to him? But, um, I think a lot, I think the people that trigger people the most aren't the Kim Kardashians of the world. I really, it's, it's seeing 
people in your own life, someone you went to school with, someone you went to high school with or college, right? And mm -hmm. seeing where they are in their lives and then feeling like, wait, we're the same age and we went to the same school. So shouldn't I be right where they are? You know, shouldn't I be as successful as them? Interesting. And if you're not, then, you know, oh my God, I've wasted all this time. What's wrong with me? That's so interesting. So almost it's whatever that person is wanting to compare. So if they're wanting to compare perhaps their physical body, they may go to a different place mm -hmm. than to compare their work progress. Yes. Yes. I mean, yeah, I think that if it's the physical body, right, it's going to a lot of these influencers and, and fitness people and, yeah. and all of that. And, um, uh, you know, it's like anything else just going to, there's so many people to compare yourself to, but yeah. the one that I see the most are when people see people they know, because that feels like Kim Kardashian is this thing that's sort of like, okay, you know, she's like this entity unto itself in this right. other realm or world. And, but the, you know, the guy that was in your physics class <laughs> <laughs> that you thought was kind of an idiot. Oh my God, he's a CEO. What, you know, that is the stuff that really gets people, you know, feeling like they they're missing out or they've done something wrong along the way. That's so interesting. And I mean, it makes perfect sense because we can compare to something in reality, quote unquote, reality versus something that we don't really know the full story. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, wow. Thank you for all of this. I'm like, really, I'm honestly, I'm processing it. I, you know, of course, so much of this, I know academically and because this is not my area of focus and specialty, I don't talk about it a lot. And it's, it's really, it's wonderful <laughs> to hear. And I, you're doing such important work and you have consistently been so so good at this and i i'm just so happy that you're you're still doing it and oh, helping you. people yeah i appreciate it so as we as we wrap anything that you want to leave our our listeners with at the end of this um, conversation yeah i mean i would just say just the plug for you know, the 20s really are the perfect time to do this kind of work on yourself, right? Because when, you know, we think that we're becoming, we see high school and younger as this coming of age time. And it's like, yeah, you learn a lot about yourself and you're, but you know, you're, you're under your parents' roof or your guardians. College is this weird in between time that is kind of neither, neither adulthood nor being a kid. And it's not until you're really firmly in your 20s, you're working, you got an apartment, you're paying your bills, that you really are, you know, your brain doesn't fully form until you're 25. So you really are, this is the time of your life to, that you can really truly figure stuff out and you can look back into your past and better understand your relationships with your parents and the people in your life. And, and it allows you to, if you do this work, however it is, it doesn't necessarily have to be seeing a coach or a therapist, you know, it can be just reading and doing courses and all of that. It doesn't have to be just one thing, but yeah. if you do this work, you know, it will make your thirties and forties and fifties so much easier, so much better. If you can figure this stuff out now, this is the time that you want to make these job switches and changes. These are the times that you want to date people that you're like, ugh, 
you know, these, <laughs> you know, live in those crappy apartments, like live in city, like this yeah. is the time of your life. The older you get and the more you get settled in certain things, it's harder to make these changes. So this yeah. is it. This is your opportunity. So if you're there, do it. And don't worry so much about 30. 30s, you know, people worry so much about turning 30 and where they need to be. It's like 30 is going to come and go. It's fine. You'll be fine. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I will link all of Tess's contact info. You can reach out if you're interested. Also follow her on social media. There's so much to read and consume. And as you can tell, she is just a gem of a human. So Tess, thank you again for being oh, here. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me again. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together.